Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm talking with Brad Cruz, who along with his brother Tim, is a winner of numerous football guys in FFPC main event and high stakes leagues, including the 2017 FFPC Super Bracket title and the FFPC $2,500 entry live auction in Las Vegas. His total career winnings in the FFPC total nearly $120,000, and you can follow him on Twitter at Cruz underscore Brad. In this episode, we explore why he went so heavy on rookie wide receivers this season, whether a Steelers stack in Week 16 might be the way to go, and whether Russell Wilson might have to be benched with everything on the line. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, it supports the podcast channel, and it's the perfect gift to treat yourself this holiday season. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So, it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, without further ado, here is $120,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Brad Cruz. Very special holiday edition of the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown this week as we are joined by a longtime multi-league high-stakes champion, the FFPC, the KFFSC, uh, a former a guy I've competed with against, and trust me, he's as tough as nails, and I'm glad to have him on the show this week so we can pick his brain. It's Brad Cruz. Brad, welcome into the show, man. Well, thanks, Eric. I'm definitely honored to be here. Appreciate the invite. It's... It's good to have you, and um, we are coming up this uh, on week sixteen here, championship week. Um, wh- how many how many pokers you got in the fire, Brad? Are are you going to be on pins and needles this weekend? It, well, it depends how it starts off, right? But it, it's always fun when you do have a, a horse in the race. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. Uh, I know I I'm going to be sweating out a few games, and and that's why we do this for sure um to 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 not only win the money but the enjoyment the entertainment of having the nfl at our disposal and and playing fantasy football we love it um i want to congratulate you first off as we we start this interview four teams in the ffpc main event championship round congrats on that um the millipede league specifically in the ffpc i want to talk to you a little bit about that league uh tonight so jonathan taylor the last couple of weeks um well maybe more than a couple of weeks he's been doing very well for you there lately would you consider benching him at all against the Steelers defense who by and large over the course of the season has been very good, even though they didn't look very good against Cincinnati on Monday night this week. It is Taylor at all a consideration to be benched not only by you, but by high stakes owners. You know, I, I, I do think the Steelers defense has fallen off a bit with, with their whole team a little bit lately. Uh, and, th- and that specifically, I, I don't really have any better options unless Gibson uh, were to return. And, and then, you know, it's really down to three guys for me, Hunt, Gibson, and Taylor, and I, and I need to start two of those. Um, but but overall, I have faith in Taylor to produce as a fantasy asset now that he's settled into the role most of us thought he would have uh, from the beginning of the season, especially after Marlon Mack got out of the way. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm just looking at this right now um, as far as, as Gibson goes, given his um, – I, I know that turf toe injury is not an easy one to come back with, but – knowing that Washington does play uh, this coming week at home against the Carolina Panthers, a defense that Aaron Jones torched in week 15, would, would, would Gibson knowing if he is active, is he a guy that you could start over Jonathan Taylor against the Steelers this week? Um, He would be, I mean, he's, he's had kind of a 15 point floor. Uh, So, so he would definitely be a viable option. Uh, though it, it it may be that I would bench Hunt instead, it, you know it, it's really close between those three guys. How do you? How, I mean, how do you sort of play that? Because you know I've been playing Hunt most of the season because of lack of better options in the league I have him in. Um, but knowing that Chubb is is the main guy in that backfield, but seeing Hunt getting carries and and touches that 
that make him a borderline top 25, maybe a borderline top 20 running back every week. How have you been rolling with Kareem Hunt? Have you been playing him more often than not? Yeah, definitely. He's, you know, you know, the way we draft, you know, running backs are hard to find, right? You know, when, when we do our initial investment, Hunt was often the first guy we drafted when we have him. Uh, and, you know, having that stretch where Chubb was down, he was, he was fantastic. Um, other than that, his PPR value has been mostly solid, uh, but there are some games where he does disappoint. Yeah, and, and I think that's true of, of, of a lot of um, uh, running backs when, you, when you're talking about guys outside the top 15, outside the top 20. They're going to have those boom weeks, but you do got to watch out for those busts, no question. Let's shift the focus uh, from running back to quarterback here, Brad. You have an interesting decision in, in this Millipede League as well where you're competing for the big bucks. Jared Goff goes to um, Seattle to take on a secondary that, you know, quite frankly, for the most, you know, the better part of the season, they have not looked good. However, Jared Goff and the Rams looked about as bad as possible in week 15 against the Jets. The other option, speaking of looking bad, Ben Roethlisberger was terrible um, for, you know, by and large against the, the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. And, and he goes to those aforementioned Colts. He takes on that Colts secondary this week. So how do you lean in this direction? Are you going to go Goff or Roethlisberger in Week 16? I, I was hoping to request that you guys open up the waiver wire for me. <laughs> that you know what's so funny about that is is you are not the first person to ask me that over the last couple of weeks in the FFPC. I'm sure a lot of people are looking not only for better options at quarterback for sure at tight end, uh, definitely at running back and, and kicker and defense as well. Um, if, if I can pull the strings, Brad, you know I will. If I can't get it done, is it going to be Goff or is it going to be Roethlisberger, assuming I can't pull off the miracle here? Oh, okay, all right. So, I mean, this will be an interesting uh, decision that my brother and I will, will make as we manage these teams jointly uh, on Sunday morning when we when we sit down. Uh, you know, Ben and his weapons, as you mentioned, under, underperformed this past week. However, Goff just does not do well when pressured, right? So the kind of rule of thumb we have with him if if the he's facing a defense that gets to him you know we we tend to shy away see seattle has averaged four sacks per game since the week wait they've really come on and being able to pressure the the quarterback which has helped the overall defense um and, and including um they had three sacks against the rams in week 10 where Goff only put in 15 and a half fantasy points and the jets got three sacks against Goff last week in route to his 18.35 point performance. So right now I'd lean toward Ben, who desperately needs to rekindle that offense. You know, they're on this death spiral you know, after starting off undefeated for, what, 10 weeks. Um, but we'll go with whatever our gut says Sunday morning, and uh, it'll be a tough call. So a couple of follow-ups to that. Number one, I know you and your Tim have uh, you and your, your your Tim, you and your brother Tim have managed a ton of high-stakes leagues to to big paydays. I mean, five-figure paydays for single leagues. You you obviously have a good relationship. You obviously have developed some sort of chemistry there where where you can achieve a lot. How how does that work with you guys when it comes to drafting, blind bidding, lineups? Um, do you guys? divvy up the leagues and and you know you run half and he runs half do you collaborate on every single one what's that relationship been like over the years for you and your brother for the most part we draft the leagues separately um you know there are some you know high stakes ancillary leagues we will draft together um but but for the most part the main events and uh you know the football guys leagues 
uh, we will will generally do separately, uh, but then manage them together. And and by together, what we'll do is we'll we'll spend a you know some time you know Wednesdays and normally Fridays this time you know Sunday Saturday night Sunday morning, uh, going over the first couple of leagues, getting in sync with who we think the targets are, and then we'll divide up. Uh, you know, I'll start from the bottom of the list. I'll start from the top of the list, or vice versa, and then we'll just meet in the middle and crank out the leaks. Um, we 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 have a a good rapport, a good shorthand. Um, but if you were to listen to us, you might not think our chemistry is so great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I've I've had I've had partnerships like that with uh, with various co-owners over the years, so I know exactly how that goes. Where you know it it, it seems disjointed, but really. Uh, you guys have have fallen in a a rhythm that uh, clearly works out for you. So kudos to you on that. Getting back to the Steelers here, real quick before we move on and, and talk a little uh, wide receivers. Um, ben Roethlisberger says he's going to come back for 2021. The pieces are there, uh, and and Pittsburgh has been one of the most pass happy teams in the NFL so far this season with Chase Claypool, Juju Smith Schuster, obviously Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Eric Ebron. Um, your thoughts on, on 2021 with, with Roethlisberger and in, in throwing to these receivers. Are these receivers that you think are going to be valuable in fantasy drafts, or are you not quite so sure about Roethlisberger next season given the elbow surgery he came off of this year and, and kind of hasn't been the most accurate so far in 2020? You know, it's interesting. We did target the Steelers this year you know, with the assumption that Ben was going to be adequate. You know, He was a, a late-round quarterback. You know, we have a lot of these players you just mentioned, and you didn't have to really pay for anyone with maybe the exception of Deontay Johnson, who early on was maybe an eighth, ninth round guy, maybe maybe settled in on the last weekend into the seventh, eighth round uh, player. Um, so we thought that, you know, everyone's trying to stack. We thought a Steeler stack would be very affordable. So we, you know, it, it really wound up including in this league. I think we've got four or five Steelers on this team. Um, and if Ben comes back and, and he's able to do what he did this year. I think all those guys are viable. If they wind up with a quarterback, that's, um, I mean, you could put a Jameis Winston on that team, you know, uh, probably a number of other guys who are going to, you know, come off as free agents for one reason or another from, from some teams. Um, or if they wind up uh, landing a rookie, that's um, impressive. Uh, could keep all those guys viable. Um, Brad, let, let's talk about the uh, not only the um, the Steelers receivers that you had on your team, but the rookie receivers you had on this team. You had Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb. In this league, you also drafted and let go uh, at various points of the season, uh, Brian Edwards and Michael Pittman. By my count, that is six separate rookie receivers that you had on this squad. I got to ask, why did you go so big, not only in the draft and rookie wideouts, but also focusing on them uh, during the, uh, the the fab portion of the season where you could pick these guys up off waivers. Yeah, so the, um, I mean, we didn't really go in and saying, let's go get rookie wide receivers. But, you know, we are, you know, other than um, C.D. Lamb, all these guys were back half, maybe even back third of the draft. Uh, and what you're looking for are guys with ceilings, especially in, in these networked uh, events where, you know, good teams aren't rewarded, but but great teams are. So you, so you need guys with ceilings to be top 20 receivers to, you know, be fixtures in your lineup, not guys where where you try to flip a coin and say, will this be their week or will, will it not? Um, so we, we were, 
you know, first of all, you look at who are good offenses, right? So CD Lamb with Dallas kind of, you know, fit that bill. Uh, Claypool with Pittsburgh, you know, we felt that Pittsburgh offense would be, would be good. And as you mentioned, fairly pass heavy, um, you know, we were reading good reports on both. Of course, everyone loved uh, Lamb as maybe the possible best receiver in the draft class. You know, reading a lot of good things about Claypool, who didn't have the same draft equity as Lamb, but, you know, Ben was kind of going out of order to make sure he got reps with Claypool. You know, he'd, he'd throw his reps with, you know, Juju and Deontay, and then the next guy would come in, and then he'd jump in line to, to get his reps in with Claypool. So we, we really thought, okay, Ben's looking like there's maybe something there. He was free in draft, so we, we fairly much loaded up on him. And then, of course, he doesn't break out week one. We intentionally tried to hold on to him in leagues, and they actually scooped up some more shares. And then he had that huge 42-point breakout game. Um, so, so he was pretty good. I, I, you know, similar thing, hearing great things during the COVID camp. Um, and Debo was going to miss some weeks. So it looked like he was going to get an early opportunity that you could see. Now he wound up also kind of going on the shelf early. But, uh, you know, as soon as he got in, he was a target. Um, Edwards heard great things, but, you know, didn't pan out. Pittman, you know, he was drafted by us, but he, it was much later till he started to get his opportunity. Higgins wasn't on our draft radar so much. But as soon as we saw, you know, they started out playing five receivers and it didn't look, look like anyone was going to be really um, worthwhile, except for maybe Boyd. But as soon as they kind of shrunk it to, okay, these are our three, and Higgins was in that, snaps and targets were starting to show that, you know, we started scooping it up many places we could. So what's interesting here is, is I listen to you talk about these rookie receivers, and, and quite frankly, what I'm hearing, Brad, is these guys wouldn't have had to be rookie receivers <laughs> They just happen to have good opportunity, um, you know, opportunities in front of them. Good quarterbacks, good offenses, and um, you know, you were you went in the pre-draft process. You were reading and hearing a lot of good things from the uh, from the beat reporters and the people that are seeing them preseason, as many of them that that could. So I, I guess to to follow up on this, you're not necessarily looking for for rookie receivers that fit those those parameters you're just looking for young breakout receivers regardless of how many years they've been in the league to fit those parameters right uh, correct i mean I, I wouldn't say regardless i mean if you've been in the league six or seven years and haven't broken out right yeah i'm not expecting to break out but but yeah rookies second year guys third year guys um stepping into a role where that has been vacated or just on a good offense and then if you you win a, a good enough role then you've got a good shot Yes, and and by that rationale, you will lose out on that uh, that um, pivotal seventh year breakout receiver, which yes. I don't think has ever happened in the NFL before. <laughs> um, but probably a good rubric to go by as far as uh, high stakes fantasy football goes. All right, not that I want to make it a Steelers show, but but I do want to talk about their tight end here uh, briefly. Eric Ebron has had, you know, quite frankly, a, a pretty good season, and not not a lot of people are talking about it. Um, he's only had three single digit point weeks since week two in the FFPC. So looking at championship week here, and I know he's coming off the injury. It's the, the early reports sound like he's going to be good to go this weekend. How hard are you trying to find a way to get him into your championship week lineup, especially given that on this team, Brad, you also have Roethlisberger. You also have Chase Claypool. You also have Deontay Johnson. I don't know how smart it is to start all four of those Steelers, but if Pittsburgh does go off against Indianapolis, this could be huge for this squad. 
Yeah, I mean, you talk about stacking, right? This this is a team we wound up with a a Pittsburgh stack, and and we we didn't really go in targeting to have a Pittsburgh stack in any one league, but we knew we we've got Ben was maybe our most popular quarterback to draft. We we loved the Deontay Johnson hype. Um, Claypool was a, a heavily targeted guy at the end of drafts. Ebron uh, he had a, on a fair amount of teams, so we knew, we knew we were going we were inadvertently going to have Pittsburgh stacks, which is what, what this kind of wound up as. And everyone seems to think you you know you will you like the variance with a stack. If the team goes off, rising tide lifts all boats. Maybe maybe you bring it in, but Ebron on this team, it's going to be hard to start him. You know, we've got Tyreek and Mike Evans and Brandon Ayuk and Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson at the two yeah. receivers and two flexes. Probably going to go that way unless we hear something about about one of those players, Higgins, Claypool, Ebron, CD Lamb. Probably are all going to ride the bench. Um, so it's uh, we'll we'll find Ebron to start in other leagues, um, and he and he is that guy who we often have like a Travis Kelsey up top, um, where we have Ebron. So it's hard to play him at tight end, um, but it's also hard not to get him into flex. Yeah, for sure, and I and I totally get that. Even an FFPC premium tight end premium format, I, I think with this squad here, you'd be better off going with those other receivers there. I, I think that's the best way to move up the leaderboard, as I know you and Tim are trying to do. Um, we briefly touched on Antonio Gibson earlier in the conversation. Uh, you you have some shares of, of him in the championship round in the main event. He's got that turf toe injury, which I know is is not only painful, it's difficult to play through uh, as well. If he is indeed active against Carolina, do, do you have to find a way to get him in your lineups, even if you know he's hobbled because of the opportunity? How are you viewing um, a less than 100% Antonio Gibson in Week 16, Brad? When you said it was painful, did you mean for him or for me? Well, for both of for everyone. <laughs> nobody, is, nobody is feeling good about this situation. And, well, and it, while it, it happened the championship week in the league playoffs, and uh have him in two of the four mains that were in the league playoffs and it, it killed those two mains so, oh. yeah, it was painful um it, it, hurts his, it hurts his toe it hurts our stomachs right oh god it was, the way it, is. it was uh and and like it seems to happen so many times he does it on the second touch you know do what christian mccaffrey did put in 30 points and then leave hurt <laughs> yes exactly yeah is that too much to ask really Exactly. You know, it's, we're, we're not we're not asking to bend over backwards. If, if you're going to get dinged up, and, um, you know, and, and listen, you know, kidding aside, we, we want all these guys to, to, to stay healthy. But yes, if it if push comes to shove, pull up lame in the fourth quarter, please, for, yeah, you know, exactly. for, for, for all of us. Yeah, true for true. But getting back to your question, you know, if he's active, I'm, I'm going to trust him, you know, it, and to be honest, I initially was not a Gibson believer in drafts because. I just saw too much competition. There was Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson on top of who they have now. And there just seemed to be too much talent in the way. And then when Geis had his problems and AP was cut and he kind of pointed to, he was cut because they wanted to get Gibson involved. You know, all the signs were clear. It was going to be Gibson. And that was the offense that they were bringing over from Carolina that made, you know, McCaffrey a, a stud. Um, so we started setting our sights on Gibson, picking up in the fifth and the sixth round. Um, we were fortunate to get him in the sixth year. Um, and with us starting, you know, typically starting off our drafts with wide receivers and tight ends, 
you know, Gibson's the kind of gift we were we were looking for. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of those running backs will beat out, you know, the flex receivers we have. So we're going to start two of those three, and Gibson will be in the conversation if he's active. It's so crazy. I mean, like just listening to you talk about it, that that was the situation that we were looking at this summer during drafting season. You know, the Washington offense. Yes, they invested this draft pick in Antonio Gibson, but they still have Darius Geis. They still have Adrian Peterson. How things change over the course of just a matter of a few months, not only in redraft, but in dynasty as well. And 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 obviously everybody's falling all over themselves trying to get uh, Antonio Gibson not only on their squad, but in their lineups, especially if he is active against Carolina this week, something that fantasy owners will have to unlock the riddle that, um, that uh, they will need to solve in order to win titles this weekend. A guy who is, is helping people get to play for titles in week 16 is David Montgomery. He was always getting touches, catches and, and carries pretty much all season long, but ever since the buy is really when he turned it on, uh, you know, basically over the last four weeks. Um, I, Brad, I don't know if you have any insight into this, but what do you think has been the difference? Was it simply that week of rest? Did, are the bears doing anything differently? Um, uh, is Montgomery doing anything differently that he's churning out all these fantasy points for his owners right now? Um, what's sort of been the difference and, and where do you think looking forward, knowing what we know now, where do you think he goes in high stakes drafts next year in 2021? Is he a first-round pick? Is he a second-round pick? Um, and, and I'll throw those questions uh, to, to sort of how, however you want to take it and wherever you want to go with them. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bears fan. Grew up in the Chicago area. So uh, Montgomery is a guy, you know, if I followed the Bears, so Montgomery I, I've tended to follow, and, and, and I don't have him in any league. Um, he, he started off as a 13-point-per-game guy with and without Tariq Cohen before Montgomery got hurt, and then he was out, I think, for one or two weeks and then the bye. Um, and then came back healthy, and he's been averaging 26.5 points the last four weeks on four targets and six touchdowns in, over those four games. Now, why is that? Well, Trubisky credits himself. For, <laughs> for He said he's been suggesting to utilize Montgomery more, and Nagy wouldn't listen to him, and when they swapped play callers, uh, now all of a sudden we got him. But it also could be he's faced Green Bay, Detroit, Houston, and Minnesota those four weeks. Three of those are top five running back matchups that you want. And this week he gets Jacksonville, so don't expect him to cool off. Um, re- regarding, you know, how where he'll end up next year, I mean, that's tough to say. You know, a lot of people overrate the last, you know, half of the year, last third of the year, and project out over a full season. Uh, if that puts him in the second round, you know, there's no way I'm touching him there. Uh, I mean, is, what what is the true Montgomery? If Tariq Cohn comes back, does that take his four targets per game down to three uh, or two? And, you know, what does he do with a, a different schedule? Does he get his 0.2 touchdowns per game pace he had the first nine weeks or the one and a half touchdowns per game pace he's been on the last four? Uh, you know, we, we would look at him in the fifth round, maybe the late fourth, um, in drafts, you know, just got before we sit down and do our, our preseason analysis. Um, but if he goes earlier than that, then he won't be on our teams. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that is, is, um, with the absence of Cohen, we might be seeing peak David Montgomery right now, uh, the, the end of the season, he may never be as, um, 
as attractive as he is to fantasy owners as he is the 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 stretch run of the 2020 season. So a uh, good point to bring up there. I was actually talking about this with not this specific thing, but running backs in the first round this year. I was talking about this with some of my other, um, I, I do a local fantasy football show here in Northeast Wisconsin. And, and we we're talking about like, you know, the consensus top three picks this year, McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott. McCaffrey and, and Barkley obviously have dealt with the injuries. Elliott, I don't know if it's a breakdown of him. Um, if he's just got too much tread on the tires, I don't know. But what do you think about those guys in 2021, Brad? Certainly, you can't see those guys going as the top three consensus running backs next year in drafts. But at the same time, you you know, especially with, with McCaffrey, you can't really see them falling too much either. What's your opinion on those three guys as, you know, the FFPC will get drafts underway here probably in the next month for 2021? Wow, that's, that's hard to think about. Um, it, McCaffrey, yeah, I don't think McCaffrey is going to slide. I mean, everyone is good always you know, annoyed someone else, the dollar darling to be the one Oh one. Right. But you know, after McCaffrey came back, he put in a huge game, got, got hurt again. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to play again this year or not. Um, but there's so much talent there that he's going to be a top half first rounder for sure. You know, Barkley after, you know, getting hurt each of the last two years, you could almost see this being a guy that gets faded as getting an injury prone label you don't look at the giants as an offensive juggernaut um and so you could have maybe a todd Gurley type mm. effect if he's a late second early third round pick if he were to fall that far where you look at oh man bounce back year could be great for him um elliot you know, I, you know elliot always carries a risk with you know one more you know off field issue could right. have a year suspension so he always carries some of that risk um, you know, he was probably fine with Dak, but, uh, but yeah, he wasn't as explosive as he had been, you know, and then since their lines kind of deteriorated and, and they don't have the same quarterback, um, he's certainly not as explosive and Pollard picks up a lot of the passing action. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's all great points you bring up with those guys and it's going to make, I mean, as, as it stands right now, obviously these, these things will change over the next few months but certainly a wide open first round in fantasy drafts next year in the FFPC. Um, let, uh, shifting back to quarterback here, I know we are talking about earlier. Let's, let's talk about Seattle's quarterback, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, since week 10, he's the 12th highest scoring quarterback in fantasy football. He gets the Rams this week. And while the Rams have been very good on defense most of the season, um, they had a big letdown this past week against Sam Darnold and, and the New York Jets. Knowing how Pete Carroll... Uh, has operated this offense and, um, you know, uh, when when Chris Carson is healthy, when, uh, you know, Rashad Penny will be back this week as well. We saw Carlos Hyde bust off a 50-yard run. I never thought I'd see that again for the rest of his career. Uh, but we saw that this past weekend. But knowing that that Pete Carroll seems to ride this Seattle rushing game and, and not really, for lack of a better term, unleash Russell Wilson until the fourth quarters of games when they really need him, are, are you looking elsewhere? Uh, at quarterback this week, other than Russell Wilson, maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe Justin Herbert, um, sitting Russell Wilson with everything on the line here uh, in championship week? Yeah, I know. Russell Wilson, wow. With the first five weeks, you know, it was rare he'd be under 30. And then, like you say, sex week, since week 12, only one 25-point game. Um, you know, in the four mains we have in the playoffs, we faced Russell Wilson twice the first week. 
unfortunately were able to, to beat his team. Um, and we, we have Russell Wilson on a league, unfortunately able to win that. So three out of the four small sample size had Russell Wilson in the playoffs and uh, only one of three got into the second round. And that's probably fairly consistent with what, what happened uh, probably across the leagues. Um, this is going to be, I mean, he put in what, 16 and a half points the last time they faced the Rams. Right. Uh, you know, this is not a week you're loving Wilson as your top quarterback. This is also one of the problems with investing in a top quarterback. You don't tend to, to really back him up hard. Um, you know, the, you know, the advantage is you get a quarterback, you can play every week The So you want to use those other roster spots in rounds, you know, 10 through 13 to, you know, go after the branded Ayukes and stuff. Um, so you don't necessarily draft a, a viable alternative. And when you're going through waivers and you're getting 30 out of Wilson, your tension is not at picking up a Justin Herbert. Um, so a lot of the teams with Wilson will, will, will not have that viable option. If you're able to grab a Hertz before the waivers close, oh, yeah, I'd go with him, no question. Yeah, I, and and it's all about, you know, I know you want to dance with who brung you and, and go with, you know, never sit your studs, but in certain times, especially when you're considering how much money is on the line and, and the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship, trying to beat out thousands of other teams, sometimes this is the route you need to go. And, and it may be the smarter route here, quite frankly, when, when all said and done in, uh, in week 16, uh, no question. Let's move on here and, and talk about a, a very interesting position for fantasy owners to be in, whether you own Clyde Edwards-Alaire, whether you own Le'Veon Bell, um, or either or. No Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably for the rest of the regular season, for sure in week 16. That makes Le'Veon Bell the bell cow in the Kansas City Chiefs backfield, maybe the most explosive offense in the NFL. Is he cash money in, in week 16, Brad? Is he a guy that you got to find a way to, to start or is he fool's gold given that Atlanta surrenders a ton of yardage and points through the air, but not necessarily a ton on the ground. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, it looked like bell got hurt on that last series too. when when he got his face back yanked, so I haven't seen the injury reports, but, but for the purpose of the question, let's assume he's healthy. Um, I, I don't expect bell to be a locked in starter for, for a fantasy team. Uh, on the Chiefs' offense, you know, he clearly has a high ceiling, um, and in a shootout, would would you know stand to score some touchdowns and get some catches. But but that patient running style of his has not proved as effective with the Chiefs or even the Jets before that as it was when he played in Pittsburgh. He has some catch upside, but Mahomes isn't the guy who's going to check down to the running back, you know, almost by default. You know, if they call a slant or a wheel route or um, a screen pass to the running back, you know, obviously he'll convert those and, and do well. But there's a lot of other mouths to feed there. I, I wouldn't say he's locked in. You know, I guess referring back to one of your other questions, I, I would play Jonathan Taylor against Pittsburgh over right. over Bell. And and um, I think, you know, even when Edwards Alaire was healthy, who have we looked at as the Holy Trinity in Kansas City all year? It's been Kelsey, who has been far and away the best tight end. Tyreek Hill, you know, a top two, top three, probably at worst receiver so far this season. And Patrick Mahomes, who's who's been a top one or two 
quarterback. It's been those three carrying this offense has not necessarily been the running back. So while it may seem attractive and, and, and Hey, I, I, th- this is start Levy and bell. Don't even think about it. Well, maybe you should um, start him, but you definitely should think about it and analyze all your options this week before you automatically click on Levy on bell's name. Um, Brad in, in the pre-draft process this summer, you know, when you started drafting June, July, August, September, whatever, Throughout that process, when you and Tim have talked about uh, different players you like, different players you don't like, players you targeted, players you faded, who's a player that that you guys really got correct on this season and a player that that you really regret missing the mark on your evaluation of them in drafts? Yeah, I know. Um, we, we talk about this often, as especially in the, during down the stretch of what we do right, what we do wrong, what we got to think about next year. Uh, you know, so I, I think Kelvin Ridley and AJ Brown were two guys that really stand out and, you know, targeting a lot in, in any fourth round, they were there, we, we would grab one of them. Um, and then they, they both have certainly delivered, um, Chase Claypool, another guy we mentioned earlier, late in drafts, you know, all you can hope for, for a 19th round draft pick. Um, so I, I'd say maybe those guys were, were candidates to be the, uh, you know, the top guys we hit on. A player we missed on, boy, Stefan Diggs stands out. Yep, yep, yep. Me too. Me uh, too. Yeah, and he had no off season in this COVID camp situation and switching teams, and there were rumors of him, you know, locker room issues uh, as he left Minnesota. But that was a big miss. That was a big miss. It's it's so funny because when I've asked not only on this show but on the high stakes fantasy football hour, I've, I've asked this question over the last eh, three or four weeks or so as we're getting to the to the end of the season, and I feel like a popular answer has been Stephon Diggs. I didn't get him anywhere, Brad, this year, much for the same reasons that you guys did not target him. Uh, in fact, I don't even think I own him on any dynasty teams. I literally any time Diggs scored this year, it in no way helped my teams. It, it just didn't because I didn't have him anywhere. Um, and um, I, I I was thinking to myself like you know, how are all these guys that, that I'm having on these podcasts here late in the season being so successful when they all missed on digs? Think about how good they could have been if they would have gotten digs on some of these teams. They'd oh, die, yeah. You know, it, yes. it, it's crazy. But, but Michael Gallup shares for Stefan Diggs. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and it's so funny because one of the things I really bought into, and I think I was talking with Adam Grossman on, on this podcast last week about this. One of the things I really bought into was, I am going to stay away from receivers that are switching teams this offseason um, because they have the new quarterback, the new OC, the new head coach, the new offense. And, and by and large, we haven't seen a ton of success with that in the past. Um, so I didn't, I, I think I took Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins in one league. I drafted Diggs nowhere. Um, and I'm really regretting that. And and I think next year when I go into this, you know, there's there's going to be some wide receivers changing teams, maybe Juju Smith Schuster at the top of that list. I'm going to have to reevaluate the way I think about that and, and, and know that look what, and Diggs and Hopkins are special talent. So maybe that's the borderline here, but I think Smith Schuster might be a special talent too. And, and even with no preseason with, with only zoom meetings, these guys got it done. I may have to be willing to, to understand next year. Like, look, maybe that's not as big of a deal as I thought it was heading into the 2020 season. Yeah. And and, and normally, you know, that wouldn't impact a running back as much, but, you know, the timing you need with the wide receiver. Right. Yeah, no, it, it I, you know, this came out of the blue, it feels like for me. And, um, we, you know, on the other hand, we, we were overweight Hopkins. We really liked Hopkins. 
but to me, that was because that offense is such a high-paced offense that, you know, and, and Fitzgerald getting a little older, um, it just felt like there was going to be room for him to get a ton of targets and, and do well with it because he is such a talent. Um, but Diggs, you know, you, you kind of think of Buffalo as probably was going to be more run-oriented. Right, yeah. And, and there was John Brown and Cole Beasley both had large target shares. Was there room for a third? Did he Does he knock one completely out, or did they just spread it amongst them? But, boy, he, he really stepped in. Yeah, and, and that, you know, you mentioned Brown and Beasley, which is totally accurate, but I, I was a big Dawson Knox guy coming into the season. I thought he was going to take a step forward, which would obviously hurt Diggs. And then they invest in Zach Moss in the draft, too, when they already had Singletary. It's just like, you know, I, I don't re- really know what to think of this Buffalo offense. And oftentimes when I see not necessarily red flags, but maybe yellow flags, maybe question marks on a team, I it's easy for me to fade a player, um, especially when there's so much talent going around him in the fourth, the fifth round, or even later in something drafts where, where Diggs was going. So learning experience for us all. We will all get better from it. No question. Brad, you've been very gracious with your time uh, this week. Um, before I let you go and, and enjoy the rest of, of your holiday season here, one last thing, championship week. Who's a sleeper that not a lot of high-stakes players are probably going to be starting this week that will probably wish they would have after the, the week ends? And then a guy that probably will be started in a lot of FFPC leagues that owners are going to regret making that decision. So, so the first name that comes to mind is is one you mentioned earlier, Jalen Hurts. I mean, he put in a show last week, and and if you've got him on your lineup, you you, you got to get him in. But maybe a a lesser known, then maybe not lesser known, but not lesser thought of player. And it might be a Lynn Bowden as a running back mm. coming in and getting half a dozen or more targets each game. You know, with Parker and Grant dinged up, you know, he's getting enough snaps and enough of the high catch percentage targets. If he puts a touchdown and he'll get you 16 to 20 points. Um, so that, that could be a good one. Um, uh, guys that to avoid, you know, one guy that's going to be tough where we have him to play him. And I'm leaning, putting him down is Dallas Goddard. Mm. Who, I mean, tight ends, a dumpster fire. So I, I, I get it. If, if you don't have anyone, any other option, you're going to play him, but you know, he's, I think he's turned into a borderline start. Um, you know, last two weeks with Hertz, he's only averaging 12 points a game. Zach Ertz is back and starting to creep more into the target share. Um, and Dallas is surprisingly one of the tougher matchups for tight ends. I think they're like the eighth toughest matchup. So, so he's going to be a guy we're going to have to take a second look on on, on teams if, if we play him or not. Brad, I lied. One last question. Um, sure. Now that we talk about tight ends, Logan Thomas, uh, he's been crushing it the last few weeks. Is he a bona fide guy for 2021? Assuming Washington doesn't make any significant additions um, to, to that position um, for, for next season. How, how do you look at Logan Thomas going forward, given what he's been able to do in December? Who are we talking about seventh year breakout guys? Um, yeah, <laughs> there he is. That's the guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he has. I mean, tight ends tend to develop slower than than wide receivers, uh, so it's more viable from that perspective. You know, he had he had all the hallmarks of of this being a good opportunity for an offense that you know utilizes the tight end. He's he was coming in as the starting tight end. You know, he's a former quarterback and wide receiver. Uh, so he's got pass catching chops. You know, there was a, I forget, I'm blanking on his name now, but there was a Cleveland guy who came out of nowhere one year. Um, 
uh, at tight end who was like in his 28 or even 30 years old. I forget. Exactly. Oh yeah. Who was, oh, I, oh, this is, oh, this is going to drive me nuts now. I got to yeah. figure out who this was, but any, in any event, he, he might've had an okay second year, uh, but then, you know, faded. Uh, I, you know, I think if they don't put any competition in him and that team continues to develop, he's going to be a top 12 tight end in the draft. No question. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, you mentioned it too, um, when, when you're talking about, um, former quarterback, you know, a guy that, that, you know, sort of, you know, learned the position. Are you still learning the position his first few years in the league? And, and now he's really coming to his own. He's always a pretty good athlete. And, and given that, you know, outside of Terry McLaurin, there's not a ton of pass catching options on office. I guess Antonio Gibson as well. Um, so that's, that's certainly somebody that, that we need to take a serious look at, especially in FFPC tight end premium leagues um, next year. Uh, was the tight end, uh, Brad, was it Gary Barnage that you were thinking? Yeah, of? that's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, I remember him too. And I, I remember he um, um, being super disappointed when I didn't bid enough to get him in leagues that year. And then I remember also being super disappointed when I overdrafted him the following year, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which, which is something we always battle with uh, in, in, in fantasy football. No question. One of the things we never battle with is taking the advice and the insight of uh, one Brad Cruz. Brad, thank you so much for joining me on the high stakes lowdown this week. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best, not only in the FFPC, but the Kentucky fantasy football state championship, as well as uh, all your leagues, man. Uh, good luck. Um, hopefully the ball bounces your way and we're talking again real soon. And I uh, can't wait to see you again next year, man. Well, thanks, Eric. I definitely enjoyed it, and thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.